Hello, listeners. This is Mix Bell Morgan, and this is Fishnets and Philosophy. Welcome back. I've missed you. For my comeback to this podcast, I am going to be doing a deep dive into the Saw franchise and the Saw films. I will be joined by the wonderful Ariel Powers Schaub as we discuss the films in detail. Each episode will be split for two films and we will discuss those films in spoilerific detail. So if you want to listen to this discussion and you haven't watched any of the films, please go and watch the films and then come back and listen. And then let us know your thoughts. I hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome back to Fishnets and Philosophy. This is your host, Mix Bell Morrigan. And if you're not familiar by now, we are doing a deep dive of the Saw franchise. And we're on episode four of our deep dive. We're going to be discussing episodes seven and eight. So if you haven't, go back and listen to the other episodes so you can catch up before you listen to this one. And as I said, we're going to go into seven and eight. And I'm joined once again by the wonderful Ariel Paris Schaub, who is also Ari underscore Hellraiser on Twitter and just does lots of fabulous work in the horror community, in particular for Google magazine and moving pictures club so as i said at the outset there we're going to jump in and start with saw 7 which is also known as saw 3d saw the final chapter so it's a little bit confusing and then the eighth version jigsaw so before we start discussing the films what out of these two is there one that kind of is a preference for yourself one that you think is the better of the two films I personally really enjoy Jigsaw. Mm -hmm. I think it stands on its own a bit. Um, You know, I think it's a movie Saw fans could watch, or even if you don't have the context of everything that came before, you could watch it. Um, And the seventh movie is, I still love it because it's a Saw movie, Mm -hmm. but it's the first time I really have some narrative problems with the story where I go, wait, does that make sense? So, um, you know, I always I always watch it because it's part of the deal. It's part of the journey. Mm-hmm. But yeah, personally, I prefer Jigsaw, the eighth one. Yeah, no, I, I was actually going to, I feel the exact same. And uh, we'll start in with Seven, which is the first of the two films we're going to be discussing. Um, Seven itself it has the same director as Six, which mm-hmm. I found a bit, a bit surprising because it felt like a really different film altogether like as in six was such like you know knock you out of the park kind of really solid film Mm -hmm. on its own and then solid saw entry and then seven just kind of was lacking everything six had so it kind of felt a bit strange that it was the exact same director and writers and for me uh, I probably think seven of like the full like front of the original franchise I guess of the seven seven is probably like the weakest of them for me like even weaker yeah. than two which like you know isn't the best either um yeah I don't know if it was just like the whole 3d gimmick I'm not mm. sure like because I watched it you know just like as like a rental last you know last night like you know mm-hmm. even in full hd quality but I don't know about you, but for me, the effects seemed really weak and kind of like it kind of felt like I was watching like, you know, like a film school film, like with the effects, (laughs) like they kind of felt very kind of just 
not great and not what we'd expect from a Saw film. And I want to know what you think about, do you think, because I know in your notes, you said that Seven kind of suffered by, I guess, feeling like it was competing with paranormal activity. So I want to know what you mean by that. Do you think yeah. it was just what was popular at the time kind of had a negative impact on this Saw entry? Well, I think it was a conversion of a few or um, like convergence of a few factors where the 3D phase that we all mm-hmm. had as a culture d- did not give us the best <laughs> films to watch in 3D or later to watch not in yeah. 3D on high quality TVs now, like really show when mm-hmm. stuff doesn't look good, like all the blood is very bright pink in the yeah. seventh movie. And so I do think, you know, they prioritized making things look good in 3D, which mm-hmm. makes it look not good otherwise. So I think that's yeah. part of it. The other thing that um, definitely affects Saw 7 was paranormal activities. So for years it was, if it's Halloween, it must be Saw. Mm-hmm. And Saw movies would make tons of money around Halloween at the box office. And Saw 6 came out the same year that Paranormal Activity did. Mm. And Paranormal Activity beat Saw 6 at the box office. Saw 6 still did very well. Like, objectively, it did very well. But they were like, oh, God, we better pack it in. We're not winning anymore. Um, So there were actually supposed to be two more films, a seventh film and an eighth film, Um, not Jigsaw. Yeah. And so they kind of had to jam all their ideas together and wrap everything up and do all the last traps that they wanted to do and shove it all into one film. Mm. And, you know, I think in hindsight, that was a mistake because I think Paranormal Activity and Saw could have coexisted if Saw had stayed as strong as it was. Mm -hmm. But they kind of chose to throw in the towel at the end there And then that sealed the fate of Paranormal Activity making more money at the box office because Saw 7 did not do well at the box office as Paranormal Activity 2 did. So I love Paranormal Activity. I'm certainly not blaming that franchise, but the the timing was a perfect storm to make people go, what is this movie? I don't want this. Yeah, and it's interesting what you kind of... Because I didn't actually know that about the fact that it was supposed to be two films. And I think you can really tell that just watching it. Yes. Because it feels very rushed and very mm-hmm. kind of like crammed. As in there's as particularly very much kind of the last act, which we'll kind of get to in a moment. But that felt very kind of just... Oh, <laughs> you, have to, you have to kind of just... <laughs> wrap it up and tie it up in a neat bow because we're done with saw now you know as mm-hmm. you said just hand in the towel and i don't know felt i felt really let down by that ending like yeah. kind of i was just like you wanted more from like because again it's seven films like that's a lot of investment into this overall franchise and then it kind <laughs> exactly. of just, it's like a little bit like a damp towel at the end it's just like really <laughs> come on oh come on yeah but before we kind of get to discussing the end of it the end uh, sequence of the film I want to know what you think about the overall kind of narrative of it because for me I kind of think that what the even though the film itself was rather lacking as a Saw film and just generally um it did have a really interesting commentary on like imitation and fame and you know what people will do to be infamous like because the crux of seven is that there is 
you know this one character who writes the i survived book he has this whole story of being a trap survivor of jigsaw Mm -hmm. and then it turns out that it's all bogus and he's basically being like punished for lying and you know and having this fake um, infamy so i want to know what you think about Mm -hmm. that test and that commentary like do you do you think it was kind of really trying to say anything or do you feel like it was a again just overall a little bit rushed um i love the idea and i think that if it hadn't been such a rushed film it maybe would have had a chance to go really well Mm. because i think you know in the fifth film we had the natural progression of now we're getting meta and we're aware of jigsaw Mm -hmm. so i do feel like another thing that would potentially happen is people lying about having that experience um it makes me think of that book i can't remember the name of the author but there was somebody who wrote a book about um being in rehab and then like went on oprah and it was Mm -hmm. like this big thing and then it was exposed that it wasn't true and so i was like okay bobby dagan writing a book about i survived jigsaw like that could happen and Jigsaw really wouldn't like that. You know, he Mm -hmm. would not, we saw with Detective Hoffman, he doesn't like his work being copied and he doesn't like to be misattributed. Mm -hmm. So I do feel like Jigsaw would be like, don't lie about this. Do you actually have the will to live? Um, Where it doesn't make sense to me is the first time I watched Saw 7, I was like, because we see that, Dr. Gordon comes back, which is a huge Mm -hmm. reveal and it's exciting and it's awesome. I assumed that Bobby was Dr. Gordon's pick because Dr. Gordon as an actual survivor would Mm want to set up Bobby. But it's definitely Hoffman's game because he tells the police like, "Call, call off the hunt on me and I'll stop the game. But why would Hoffman bother with setting up this hugely complicated game on this person he probably doesn't care about while he's also trying to escape the police? So that's where I'm just kind of like, the Bobby Dagan story is so close to being really, really good for me. Mm -hmm. I just wish it wasn't jammed in with all this other Hoffman stuff. I know, I agree. Because I think if it hadn't have been while Hoffman was being hunted that this game was taking place and then at the end you get the reveal that Gordon you know survives and everything Mm -hmm. and was actually working with Jigsaw it would have felt a lot more powerful and even that even that being said though I didn't see it coming at all this reveal that Gordon had survived oh me either so that was that was awesome I think that was probably the redeeming quality for Saw 7 it they I don't know it was really like a really great twist reveal and just Carrie Yule's getting to see him come back anyway because he's just such a like he's such a screen presence um Mm -hmm. so that was really good and I did enjoy that like those little moments where it kind of had like the survivors meeting group I kind of I felt that made it like a really human quality to the Saw franchise because you you would see that happening in this like uh in this world like you know that people who had this shared experience would meet and kind of just like try and get past the trauma so I thought that was really nice that they kind of had that and then it kind of makes the whole Bobby Dagan story about lying about being a survivor almost have like this extra almost insidious element in the sense that he's like inserting himself into these people's genuine trauma and trying to exploit it for his own gain so I think there's definitely a lot 
going on there but it's just taking place in a very rushed film so it kind of does feel like it's been disserved um i also one thing i didn't realize as well but when i watched it i was just like is that chester bennington from lincoln park <laughs> that is, is to it is and i was just like oh my god i did not expect <laughs> and like that that felt that was a really interesting trap but i was also like i wish there was more to it because I don't know because it seemed really interesting that it was like we're going to be punishing these basically racist kind of almost like you know neo-nazi type people and I don't know I would have loved to have maybe even just had something kind of more revolved around that rather than just a throwaway trap because I don't know it could have been really powerful to have like a proper big commentary on the terribleness of racism in American society or global society really um Mm -hmm. But yeah, I thought that was like a little bit, damn, I wanted more from that trap. But it was, it was just like, it, that kind of took me out of it as well. Because I was just like, it's Lincoln Park, man. I didn't see it. as <laughs> I was just like, oh, that's that's Lincoln Park. And I was just like, okay, I'm not invested in this trap now. Um, right. Random throwaway thought. Um, but I want to know what you thought about the reveal mm. of Dr. Gordon coming back. How do you think that was done? Oh. Like, do you think it was done, done well? Because as you said, you didn't see it coming either. I just loved it. I wanted to stand up and cheer. That is the redeeming quality of of Seven. Um, I really like that they introduce it in the beginning of the movie. They kind of show you like, look, he survived. And you see him show up to the survivors group. And so you're like, wow, that's a big twist. But then you get to the end of the movie and he was working with Jigsaw all along. I never saw that coming. Mm -hmm. And when they, you look back on it, like, we could have maybe guessed it because there's so much medical mm. stuff that happens in the traps, like sewing keys into people that, you know, is John Kramer really that skilled? Maybe, maybe he was, but no, he had help from this doctor the whole time. And um, the way Dr. Gordon sort of, he's like a helper in hiding where Hoffman and Amanda know about each other, but no one really knows about Dr. Gordon. Mm -hmm. And then Dr. Gordon is in charge of sort of keeping an eye on Jill after Jigsaw's death. I thought that was an amazing reveal. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was genuinely um, surprising. And um, I like what you said about, like, you know, how they kind of did kind of drop those hints that you could have guessed it if you were paying a lot of close attention. Because even the simple fact that they, when they're comparing, you know, the removal of the jigsaw piece with Hoffman's like serrated, you know, almost blunter blade to like this, you know, precision of the surgical steel, you know, you're kind of just thinking surgical steel, that it's Gordon, he's the doctor, but nope, it just never occurs to you. You just assume jigsaw because jigsaw is a perfectionist. So yeah, I thought it was really, really well pulled off. And again, just coming back to like, I guess the rushed, of the ending of seven which is really where you see the gordon reveal is we just go from jill unfortunately meeting her demise in hoffman's hands and i don't know i felt like she because she was never like a villain of the story like she was just unfortunate she was unfortunately just unfortunately in love with the villain and um she ends up because of this association gets targeted by hoffman and yeah, I did. it was like almost like Amanda, like the two, even though Amanda is exactly. definitely a villain, but it just kind of felt like the two of them just had really unfortunate endings that like, I don't know, they could have, have been served better as characters. Um, but yeah, it was just like Amanda's death, 
straight to Hoffman getting, you know, you, you think he's escaped, and then, no, he's jumped by people in the pig masks, and you only realize one of them is Gordon. You don't actually know who the others are, which, like, who there's... Who are the other exactly, two? <laughs> exactly. I'm just like, are they other people that from the survivors group? Possibly, but you don't know, and it's so open, and then it just shows, like, you know, Hoffman being locked in the chain, the original starting place in the bathroom, um weird area and then of course because you know it's a 3d film the saw being <laughs> thrown at the screen was yes. just like oh my of course they threw that in there of course yeah and then it ends with you know gordon saying game over and i don't know it felt so rushed like there was no tension to it like if they had have had like an entire film building up to that moment of like you know, and then Hoffman at the very last minute you think he's escaped like but no they didn't have that it just felt like it was literally two I guess Hoffman being hunted and then Hoffman's demise and Gordon reveal into one and mm. yeah I'm, I'm assuming you agree that it was definitely a bit of a rushed ending <laughs> yeah I I actually felt sad that we didn't really get to sit with Jill's death at yes. all um because you think that's going to be the end of the movie because hoffman says game over and closes the door and it's like oh then you can deal with that after mm -hmm. the movie's over and go into the next one but there's no time to sit with jill and that makes me so sad because like you said she's never been a villain all she ever wanted to do was help people she happened to fall in love with you know <laughs> with jigsaw with who oh, all of who he is <laughs> and you know, maybe she should have not tried to carry out his final wishes. Maybe she should have taken that box straight to the police and left town and changed her name. But it's, you know, we don't know what was going on in her head. And she has a horrible death. Mm. It's very tragic. It has a lot in common with Amanda. And by the way, the fact that Jill dies in the reverse bear trap that was Amanda's original trap, I just mm -hmm. think they're linked by fate. And so, you know... Then I got excited about the Gordon reveal, but I was like, wait, are we really not going to talk about Jill again? So, yeah. yeah, it's just, it's a shame. I know, like, I think if, it, like, I wish they had have just not handed in the towel as a franchise and, yeah. you know, committed to making the two films. Because I think if Seven had have ended with Jill's death and Hoffman getting away, then, it, like, the next film could have literally just been about gordon and hoffman trying to out you know what would happen mm -hmm. there between the two of them that would have made it a really i don't know cathartic end to that storyline yeah, yeah you just like, that's i think that really sums up you just didn't get that chance to grieve jill's death and mm -hmm. I, like it is fitting having like her death being the reverse bear trap the same trap that amanda was placed in and it just kind of i mm -hmm. guess like maybe even just on a like a deeper analysis, it's like a wider commentary on the fact that so many women, their fates are linked to the men in their lives almost. Like like as yep. it like kind of sends that message, like you know, doesn't really matter what you do with the men in your lives. And I don't know, that's a little bit of maybe too deep of an analysis. Or, no, yeah. I actually wrote an article to that point, so I'm with you a hundred percent on that analysis. <laughs> Oh, interesting. I'll have to include that in this episode <laughs> show notes then so people can really expand in those thoughts. But while we're here, go into that a bit more. Like, what do you think that um, sure. the linking of that, like, um, is that something that this film or the franchise itself was kind of saying? I don't know if they're saying it on purpose. Mm. Um, 
Because I think part of the tragedy of Jill and Amanda is that they don't get as much love as they should, I think. Um, you know, really, Amanda ended up in the circumstances that she was in probably due to, like, bad luck in, mm. in a, you know, I, who knows what happened in her life before she, you know, started doing drugs and needed care at Jill's clinic. Mm. Who knows? But you know, in a different world where the dice land differently, they could have swapped roles and it could have been Amanda who had a career as a healthcare giver and Jill who had trouble with addiction. Mm -hmm. And so it's just sort of like they have so much in common in that they love the same man. They love him in different ways. They both need help and support and look to John Kramer for it they are more dedicated to him than any of his other followers mm -hmm. you know like they were never going to turn on him or or leave him for any reason and he orchestrates both their demise you know he sets amanda up in this way and we talked about this so i won't say too much about this mm -hmm. again but he essentially plans for her to die and he's fine with that and then jill i don't think he wanted her to die but he sent her after hoffman he knew that was a possibility and mm. he had a contingency plan for her death it's like if you're making a contingency plan for your loved one's death like that's very dark in in this way where he's like well she might die carrying out my wishes but that's okay because i have this other plan and so i do think like you know they they stood by him and it cost them their lives and he wasn't even that worried about it and i think that's super sad yeah like the it's in many ways like at least with the original franchise like even though it revolves around kramer and jigsaw like at the end of the day it really is like almost the story of like amanda and jill like that's kind of like what yeah. the franchise is really telling like and if anything it is kind of like Jill's story is she's the one that's there throughout every film like you know she's the one that kind of carries it and like lives with the weight of the unfortunate person that she happened to fall in love with um so yeah I, I did feel like her character had a really like unfortunate you just didn't get to sit with the death it didn't get to stay with mm -hmm. you like you didn't get the chance to mourn that character it went straight from Jill's dead to oh hey Gordon's back right <laughs> just like what? okay thank you we're not gonna we're not gonna be able to actually sit with this character who we spent like six films with already right. no okay fine all right and yeah and it did yeah I don't know I think I wonder if the film if I had have seen it in the cinema even with the 3d like because it was 3d and filmed in that aspect would it have sat with me a little bit better I'm not sure but I think so much of it watching it at home just last night so much of it kind of took you out of it and yeah it, it just there was just too much of that going on for the kind of the story to kind of stand out as being you know something to um, hold you there but that being said there was at least one or two very kind of I think well done traps and um, in the film yeah. like the one in particular which I think is the one that's going to stay with me for a very long time because it was just absolutely horrific but uh Bobby's wife and being burned alive and this like yeah. I think it's almost made to look like almost like a barbecue pig type thing but it's just like this big metal contraption and I was like that was that was pretty grim because like most of the trap deaths throughout the film like tend to be 
pretty quick. Like, other than maybe, you know, in, like, Saw 3, other than The Rack, like, that's a pretty torturous death. Yeah. Like, there's one or two that stand out as being a little bit prolonged, but, like, this one definitely stood out there. And I want to know for you was, Mm -hmm. were there any traps in 7 that were also, I guess, potentially redeeming qualities of the film? Yeah, definitely. Um, I feel awful for Bobby's wife, Joyce, because she didn't do anything wrong. And usually if you end up in a trap, there's something you're being judged for. Whether Mm -hmm. or not you deserve to die for it is worth considering. But like Joyce didn't do anything wrong and she dies. And that is super sad. Um, I think the fish hook trap Mm. is brutal to watch uh i I like it but it's brutal um and even though i was sad about jill's death it was exciting to actually see the reverse bear trap work yes because you never never got to see that yeah Mm -hmm. people have always either escaped before full potential was seen so Mm -hmm. yeah that was it was like if only it had been a different character but it was right (laughs) but it was actually impactful to see that yeah the fish hook scene other than the fact that literally everything was just this really bright fluorescent pink because you're watching it on the high screen like high quality tvs at home like other than that it was pretty and i just i did did quite like enjoy how bobby was literally just why didn't you just be quiet like it was just (laughs) you could all you had to do was be quiet yes because being quiet while having your like throat ripped by a fish hook that's totally doable right right but i did enjoy like that actually aspect and i think that really kind of was reflective of what's going on with bobby in that you get to see someone who made up this story about being a survivor actually experiencing all this like traumatic events like so it was kind of interesting to see him actually basically breaking down going through all of this and the teeth pulling as well that one yeah yeah that that, like that was definitely yeah (laughs) I would not want (laughs) it's something like with any horror film there's just something with teeth and like fingernails or fingernails yeah it's just those ones are always that'll get me (laughs) yeah it makes you squirm so um, but yeah yeah there's just so much going on I I think that one is actually one that like when you're looking back at it after it happens you're just like wait how long would it have taken to have got these numbers on his teeth (laughs) like you know like right right it's just I think and to make sure that they're readable you know <laughs> exactly to make sure they're very readable especially if they're being covered in blood after being removed and um, right yeah i think in particular with like the saw films in general it, i think you definitely have to just like leave your kind of i guess logical rational brain at the door because a lot yes. of times if you start to think too much about the details of the traps you start kind of noticing like consistency flaws and you're just like wait how no that doesn't make sense but yeah you just have to go with it and just enjoy it for what it was but actually speaking of traps the one that Lincoln Park is in that was a pretty gruesome one as well the, that is gruesome yeah, like seeing someone literally ripping themselves off a car chair yeah I was just like no I don't like that yeah that that one is full-on because there's three different people that like there's someone whose face is getting run over by Mm. a tire as well and then there's someone who gets 
like I think run into. Yeah, and then your man and... gets his limbs and face ripped off and by yeah. the car. So yeah, and yeah. it's yeah that one is that one is intense. That one felt like. We had this idea and we have to throw it in here because this is our last movie. We won't have another chance. That's how that one feels. Um, you know what else I always have thought is weird about this movie? Mm. The opening trap, like the the first trap we see, doesn't connect to anything else. Right. Yes. Like it's just very just there and happens. And then, yeah, it's a bit peculiar because usually with all of the Saw films, the opening trap fits into the narrative in some way either in that film itself or it's referenced later like in the Mm -hmm. sense that you know we see when it's showing all like the different ones that gordon has worked on you see all the different traps that he was involved with so you see those opening traps Mm -hmm. referenced again but yeah you just don't with seven and it's just like what was that trap for and then yeah they also which i don't know it felt like again it kind of took me out of the film a bit but when they had like the survivor's room, they had one person who survived a trap in a trap that was never shown in any of the previous films. Yes. And that kind of felt a little bit like like maybe they, what they were trying to do was show how, I guess, expansive Jigsaw as a killer was, that there was so many traps and people that didn't get feet. But I don't know, it kind of felt like it would have been nice if they were tying up the franchise to bring back someone else who potentially survived a trap rather than just throwing in some random person i totally agree i've always thought that was weird too because in the survivors group we recognize several of the characters and most of them don't speak other than simone who had to cut off her arm Mm. um but then we have someone speak who were who are you what (laughs) why were you being tested what was your trap like can we get that movie please like can we get the spinoff so that's a little weird too usually for as ridiculous as the plot can be it's usually a lot more tightly constructed than Mm -hmm. it is in seven yes no definitely and I, i think that for me is probably why it is like probably the weaker of the entries in the first franchise because of the fact that yeah it just isn't tied together nicely narratively and it it just feels really rushed which i think we've kind of said everything you kind of can say about seven because there isn't much to say about it other than (laughs) other than it's great that gordon is revealed as surviving and you know the sadness of jill's death that's really about it like there's not much really to talk home about and it isn't even like compared to six which like has so much amazing powerful social commentary that's lacking in seven as well like and it just feels like was this a saw film or was it just like something that had saw on the name like you know i don't know it was it didn't have that connective tissue which leads us going into jigsaw which i think is the polar opposite and was really it was a breath of fresh air to watch this after watching seven because it really is that much better and even though it's like has new life breathe into it it's like more modern it's a different setting time wise it still has that kind of connective tissue of the saw franchise which i really appreciated about it so before we start like going into the plot and kind of discussing eight in more detail what do you think of jigsaw as a whole as a film um i completely agree i really really enjoy it i think it it's very smart in that it walks a line really well where it doesn't have the gritty 
grimy feel of the of the aughts like mm-hmm. the first seven films do because it was 2017 and and movies didn't look like that anymore yeah but you still want it to feel like a saw film you want to feel like it belongs in the franchise and they do give you that because they give you john kramer and they give Mm -hmm. you billy the puppet and you get the monologues and the tapes and the traps and it still feels enough like it belongs in the franchise while not you know trying to force itself into a box Mm -hmm. that it might not have fit in 10 years later 100% definitely um I think that's the best way to describe it it feels new but also slightly familiar which is like a nice feeling and just again like having like Tobin Bell come back to it which was really nice as well and just great to kind of have it like again he's really the connective tissue like even the fact that he dies in three he's there in every film like he he's the one that breathes life into that franchise and he's just so great as Kramer but I think it was actually rather interesting for me watching it because I saw Jigsaw in the cinema when it was released. And that was the only film from the Saw franchise that I had seen before then. So it was the first actual Saw film I watched. So I didn't have that past legacy of the franchise to kind of compare with. So it was like, I didn't, I went into it not knowing that, you know, other than them telling you that Kramer was dead and all this type of stuff. So mm-hmm. I had lacked, I didn't, I lacked that legacy going into it. So it made it re- like really interesting. Oh, this is a good film, but I didn't have that weight to it. Whereas now watching it yesterday, after having gone through the previous seven, you're kind of really, it makes it more of a mystery of like, oh, where are they going with this? How are they, like, what's happening now? How is he back? Cause I'm, we're, I'm pretty sure we saw him die. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. It was really interesting how they did it. And I just want to know what you thought about Kramer in Jigsaw, like how they worked with him as a character. Do you think it was like done well? I do. Um, so the time, okay. I was on the edge of my seat. I, <laughs> because I didn't watch this movie when it came out. I just somehow missed it. Mm. Um, and so I watched it for the first time a couple of years ago. I bought the, there's a Blu-ray box set with all eight movies and I oh, bought okay. that. And so I was like, okay, going to watch this. And I was just like, how <laughs> it, they have his voice, they have his blood they have you know all his signature stuff i was like but i know he's dead so what are they gonna do and then they dig up the grave and he's not there and i was like oh my god is saw getting supernatural (laughs) like i was just along for the ride and then when you see the reveal of tobin bell and he's actually in the movie i was like Mm -hmm. oh my god what the fuck what the fuck And it's brilliant because it's another one of those saw twists where when you look back at the movie, you should go, oh, I could have seen this coming, Mm -hmm. but I didn't. Like, by the eighth movie in the franchise, I should know that some of it could be prequel and sequel at the same time. Like, Mm -hmm. we've done that before, but I didn't at all. And so I was like, where is this going? It was really exciting for a first time watch. 100% and definitely Um, and it's interesting like my second time watching it I had that energy compared to your first time because it almost Mm -hmm. felt like a first time for me because I now had that experience of the franchise itself and I definitely think as you say 
you know, you had all those experience in the past saw. So, you know, you should know that this, these different things can be happening narratively at the same time. But I think it's advantage of the film is that, like, you know, as far as I'm release dates wise, it was almost like, you know, a full decade in between the films are close enough to it anyway, between mm-hmm. 2017 and Saw the final chapter, like, or, you know, a bit less, but it was enough years for like Saw as a franchise to kind of like a little bit drift away from the kind of social like culture. And um, yeah. so to come back with this fresh take and yeah, I thought it was really well done. And I think, what made you go more go wait what the fuck was because of the fact that obviously Tobin Bell is older as they film it even though narratively it's taking place earlier right because he's older you're kind of thinking like it, it you, you believe that it's happening now so you're mm-hmm. and he is somehow still alive and it's just <laughs> what is happening have they really gone supernatural are they gonna go that route I'm not opposed to it, but at the same time, it's different. <laughs> but right. yeah, it was really, really interesting. And again, I think it goes back differently to Seven because Seven, I think, was lacking it, even with the test, like of you know Bobby Dagan being tested. His his test like didn't have that like I guess personal touch of most of the other Saw films. Whereas like yeah. in Jigsaw, you really get like each of the people that are being tested it's something really personal and also connected almost to Kramer which I thought was a really interesting kind of reframing of like you know it's giving us Jigsaw back like it's giving his touch his flair back and I want to know what you think about the people who were like the characters that were going through the test like I felt like I don't know like for me it felt like the first time in a while having a lot of characters that you could actually still get connected to like a lot of the other saw films you know because they have so many people they all feel disposable because you don't get enough time with them but i think jigsaw managed to toe that line nicely in that you did get to spend time with this group so you kind of were connected and they felt fleshed out i want to know if you think the Mm -hmm. same i do um it's kind of it's it's what I want Saw 2 to be, where mm. there's a lot of people who are, you know, being punished for similar crimes and slowly dying like one by one. But in Saw 2, I just don't like spending as much time with them. Mm-hmm. But in Jigsaw, you know, all the people being punished in the original game, in the prequel yeah. game, were the cause of someone else's death. Mm-hmm. And... It also was nice to be back to a place where I'm not saying that's the right way to treat criminals, but at least we were back to understanding where we were with morality. Mm-hmm. Like, because following Hoffman's story and it becoming sort of a revenge tale and then a survival tale, we had really gotten away from Jigsaw's like, you need to appreciate life message whether or not you agree with it whether or not you think he's doing the right thing like at least he's you know like yeah saying the saying what he exactly so it was nice to be back at like oh yeah this feels like jigsaw this feels like john kramer which is which adds to the feeling of how could this be happening now in the timeline Mm -hmm. um so yeah i think that's really expertly well done yeah no i really enjoyed it and i thought like 
there was like that one character who killed like Kramer's nephew, and then he has yeah. a nephew. <laughs> exactly. I, we never like what he Does has. Does he family? have more? Does <laughs> he know. have other nibblings <laughs> out there? Do he have brothers and sisters and, and siblings? Like, where are they? Can we get their movies? It made me want so much more mm-hmm. in a good way. Yes, in definitely. a good way of being like, give me more jigsaw stories. <laughs> I know if there's is there like a like an extended Kramer family line of like you know killers like that would be amazing. What if there was? You know, <laughs> can we get the Kramer universe? Like I am ready. I am on board. Like just that little throwaway of and he was my nephew. I it, like my brain exploded. Yeah, it was like you just so what and it was like again. I just love how I don't know. It just like threw it in there like like just tossing a grenade and running like you know it was like yeah. didn't didn't get explored any further it was literally yep. just, oh my nephew <laughs> what and then again that gave it that kramer personal touch it had that yeah. like you know there was it was a connection to him and like and even though yes you know in the saw films as a whole kramer and jigsaw like, you know it isn't just people who personally you know he's had been in contact with or who definitely affected him it expands to other people but a lot of the a lot of the kind of Kramer touches like it is something that has like there's a reason that he's doing it it's connected to him and in the same sense it's his neighbor the one who that and that I remember seeing that in the cinema and then just like kind of coming back to it again and actually today when I watched it that was a really dark storyline like that was really dark and it was also like it was really dark because it felt almost all too human like that scene when you see her like this new mother like just you know screaming please shut up please shut up please shut up like that was like you know even though I'm not a parent so I can't really speak on it but from you know people I know who are parents and just seeing it kind of just generally within like you know society like that isn't shown as much like that type of reaction of just like you know that yes I'm happy to have a kid but also this kid is driving me nuts and it's you know so even though not everyone kills their children which is what this character does but that bit is something that's really common and isn't shown it's not talked about it's not discussed and it makes a lot of you know first-time mothers feel really alone in those feelings so I thought it was really it was a very dark storyline but that moment was almost like a kind of like this is a really genuine human thing and I don't know I thought it was really Mm -hmm. interesting that they included that in the film like ignoring what happens after that but um right yeah it does it gives the film another there's heart there Mm -hmm. um because you're right it is new parents don't always have the support they need and because it's not talked about you know it's supposed to be all rainbows and butterflies and I'm so happy to have a baby and of course you are but also it's hard Mm-hmm. And if you don't, and I'm not a parent either. Um, so again, you know, I'm not speaking from personal experience, but mm-hmm. like you said, hearing from parents I love, it's it's got to be so hard in the middle of the night when it's your turn to tend to the baby, and just nothing you do will will make her calm down. And it you really, Anna's actions are not redeemable. Her mm-hmm. actions cannot be excused. Yeah. But you feel for her, at least I have empathy for her because she obviously didn't want to do that. You know, yeah. like that she screwed up and ruined a whole bunch of lives in the process and John's mm-hmm. punishing her for it. But yeah, it's it's dark. It's 
it's dark in a similar way to the miscarriage jill's miscarriage plot it's different certainly but it's another like oh my god this is a really human dark story in the middle of what we've all dismissed as torture porn yeah no and exactly and i think like and again maybe it's like it stands out more because it was this film came out after saw kind of did leave the kind of collective kind of culture consciousness and it was it's almost feels separated in time to those films and it is because narratively it is happening uh, after jigsaw which is what you know makes it the, him being back really interesting um but mm-hmm. yeah i think this film is a really good way of like reframing all the other saw films because of the fact that you realize that pretty much all the Saw films do have those really kind of all too human moments littered in amongst the extreme extremities of the traps. So I think it's really interesting to have that juxtaposition throughout the Saw franchise. And yeah, it's interesting, like speaking of the fact that, you know, Kramer is punishing Anna. I think like they do a good job of like almost like showing where the punishment is coming from the punishment is really the like the fact like almost that she set up her spouse as like you know it's her guilt that's being punished um and her her cold decision to go you know rather than admit i've done something terrible it's i'm gonna (laughs) frame it on my spouse like and yeah that was also like you're kind of like yeah, uh, you kind of do have what's coming to you. Like, you know, it was just a little, right. a little bit like, yeah, I don't condone corporal punishment, but also at the same time, you did a pretty shitty thing. Like, so it's just kind of like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And but I, at the same time, though, Anna was a really interesting character. Like, you know, she was yeah. really resourceful and kind of survived most of the game through that resource resourcefulness. Um, so yeah, it was interesting to see this character who you don't know that until the very end. So you're almost rooting for her the entire time. Oh, absolutely. Which makes that reveal of why she's there hit more because you're kind of like, I've been rooting for you. And now right. this, this is who you are. No, I feel terrible now. <laughs> <laughs> and she is, you know, like every real person, she's complicated. You know, mm-hmm. she she's good in a crisis she wants to help the people around her make it out she's trying to tell them the tricks to survive mm-hmm. she and her husband helped john when he was going through his chemotherapy treatments she's a good neighbor she made a really horrible mistake that she can never come back from and, and no apology will will ever be enough for that people are complicated and yeah. like that's another thing that i think when saw is at its best that's mm-hmm. what it's showing you is is nothing is as black and white as Jigsaw pretends it is. People are complicated. 100%. I definitely agree. And I think, again, like kind of that's something that Jigsaw really explores in the character of Eleanor, who is one of the like pathologists, but also like a true crime buff. And she's a really interesting character. And I kind of think like this is my understanding of it and I want to know what you feel but I kind of feel like Jigsaw as a film through Eleanor as a character it's like kind of a commentary on and it's like something because this film came out in 2017 really in the boom of the popularity of true crime as this thing which has just seemed to be you know becoming more and more popular as the years have gone on it's a real commentary on 
true crime as this thing that is popular because there is something very off-putting about how pop like as in because like Eleanor is a character she's obsessed with Jigsaw the killer and that's what true crime is your people are obsessed with these killers when the actual victims of these killers are forgotten to history and I think the film through the character of Eleanor is an interesting commentary on that and I want to know what you think about that oh I love to talk and think about Eleanor Mm -hmm. um She's such an interesting character. Number one, I want to see more of her backstory because it seems like she's had to put up with a lot of sexist bullshit to get where she is. The amount of sexism she has to deal with at work Mm -hmm. and she just is like tough as hell. I'm like, okay, you're cool. But there is that she's obviously a true crime junkie. She is obsessed enough with Jigsaw that she, in her art studio, is rebuilding his traps, which... Mm -hmm. It's very impressive from an art standpoint, but also like you have to really understand that will make people look at you crazy, mm-hmm. whether or not you deserve that. And there are some things I like about true crime personally, and there are some things I really don't like about it. Mm-hmm. And I think the character of Eleanor really shows that like, I don't want to say there's an objective right and wrong line, but yeah. I do think you can think about when people are too obsessed with a serial killer where it's almost, they're almost a fan of them mm-hmm. versus interested and fascinated in a different way, but they're still away from it. And Eleanor kind of walks the line mm-hmm. because you can see her eyes light up and it's a really good acting performance. Yes. <laughs> um, the way she acts with her eyes when she's like, Oh, it's, it's fucking jigsaw. He's back. And it's like, yeah, you'd be fascinated by that as a medical examiner for sure. But she looks almost excited about it. But then at the end of the day, she's not the one committing the crime. So like, even if you are obsessed with a particular aspect of true crime to an unhealthy degree, Mm -hmm. that also doesn't mean you're a killer. Maybe it means you have other things to work on, but like we all do, but it doesn't make you a murderer. So exactly. I thought that was a really nuanced exploration of of true crime. 100%. And that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And like you said just a moment ago, when Saw is at its best is when it's showing the fact that people are complex. And that's mm-hmm. what Eleanor is. And it's like that commentary on true crime is really nuanced and it's complex. But I did quite like the line when... Uh, Logan I think isn't it when he first gets shown the art studio he kind of just has that one moment where he's like do you get off on this or it's just kind yeah. of like, and you kind of almost see that in her eyes when she realizes that she thinks Jigsaw is back because you see that light and it's just like there's something more going on here <laughs> right or there could be and um, but yeah it was she was such a fascinating character and mm-hmm. I don't know I think it's just I don't know how Jigsaw the film did box office wise or anything like that but the film as a whole ends open. Like Eleanor escapes. She is the alibi for, and now again, we're going to reveal who the person is. It is Logan. He is the person that's the killer. And Eleanor is the alibi because she escapes while he was captured. And there's been no other exploration of those Jigsaw characters. And I don't know. I'm like, I want to see more. I want to like, I want more. I, I really want more with those characters. And I think Logan is a really interesting character as well. And I actually found his story 
Um, like I, I preferred him as a character to Hoffman. I don't know. He felt more. Oh yeah. Def- well, also like I don't know about different people's objectives, but I think Logan and Matt Pasmore is a little bit more easy on the eyes than the person who plays Hoffman. So that Castus was just, Mandalore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That, that was just a little bit nicer, um, yeah. just from a like, you know, biased perspective. But as a character, he did feel, I don't know, there was more to him, I think. Hoffman was very much, you get what you get. This is me. This is Hoffman, you know. Yeah. But like, yeah, Logan was a lot more nuanced and I want to know what you think about this because this was something that it jumped out at me and I think it reframes a lot of the original films but with Logan we realize that Logan is the one who survives the first prequel game like he we he's the one that we see stand up at the end and get pulled into the wall you never see him again and then you realize it was him he was saved by Kramer and it's that one line where it's like you know, John thought uh, I didn't deserve to die because of one honest mistake. And that re- that line really stood out to me because in many ways, Cecil, who was responsible for the miscarriage, he didn't mean to do that. That yep. was an, also an honest mistake, but that was an honest mistake, which was fueled by addiction and prevented John from becoming a father so it's interesting to see where Kramer decides which honest mistakes deserve to be punished or not and I want to know what you think about that about how Logan being saved almost reframes Kramer as a character I love that that uh, takeaway because I really do think it's important and I know I said this in one of our previous conversations Mm -hmm. like if you ask someone who doesn't really watch these movies like just like hey what do you think the Saw franchise is about they'll be like oh yeah Jigsaw's not a killer and he punishes people who are doing bad things but you know and a lot of people think like the central premise of Saw is struggling with the is it okay to punish people for doing bad things Mm -hmm. that's not really it at all it's like what drives John Kramer and his disciples is always totally different from person to person Mm -hmm. and it's never what he says it is which i've also actually written about that too because i have a lot of feelings about it (laughs) and i john is is driven by revenge and for whatever reason he decided he didn't want to get revenge on logan and i mean that's good for logan and i (laughs) agree with that choice john but he wants to this is why I think like everything connected to to his fatherhood and his family is the most important thing to him. And those are the mm-hmm. things he goes after even more so than his own health, his own cancer being treated. Mm-hmm. Um, it really does add some depth to the character because from Logan's perspective, all he sees is he saved me. He helped me. He gave me purpose again, but he doesn't, necessarily or we don't know how much he knows about what happens to kramer later because we don't know how long they work together we don't know when they drifted apart yeah that was the one thing i thought like as you were saying seven kind of felt like it was one of the first times where you're kind of going how does that make sense that was Mm -hmm. that was the one bit i think from jigsaw was that you were just like wait but if he was the one before everything began why was he never present for any of the rest of the franchise why did a man like it looked like yeah it just felt a little bit like peculiar 
And then now, also after just watching Seven and discussing Seven, we realize that Gordon was there the entire time. Gordon's mm-hmm. alive at the end of Seven, so does he? Is he like you know? Where does he fit, fit factor into what's happening in the events of Jigsaw? So yeah, I know right. I think there's different there's different narrative threads that are a little bit open ended, and I'm kind of wishing that we got more of the new Jigsaw generation to have those explored because it there's a lot that is left unfortunately a bit too open and yeah I just want more because it was a genuinely I do too entertaining film like it was good and I just want more in that world (laughs) and you know the beauty of the Saw franchise is that it does have these all these different plot threads Mm -hmm. and so we could get another movie that goes aha here's the answer to the question you had six movies ago like we could still get that and honestly that's why i get out of bed every day is because we might get another saw movie (laughs) (laughs) that's gonna be the slogan for this (laughs) i'm gonna have to get that on a hoodie now (laughs) isolate the audio that's what i'm all about (laughs) that is fantastic that is the quotable line of a quotable line (laughs) but yeah no i think that's that's what i think like in different ways like it's a good interesting to compare them like saw seven ended with me wanting more in the sense that i wasn't really happy with what i got and i wanted more to be done like i wanted it to be like i don't know tidied up better i wanted more in that sense whereas with jigsaw Jigsaw was a really solid film that just made me want more of what happens next. It was like so in both one both mm-hmm. left me wanting more, but in very different ways. So I think yes. again it's they help <laughs> watching the two beside each other helps make you appreciate what you're getting with Jigsaw and what you're really missing <laughs> with Saw Seven. Like yes. I, I think it's a good comparison between the two films. But I also want to know what you think, because I thought like it's like I love like as a and it's something I think a lot of horror fans in the horror community kind of butt heads over but it's the whole thing about practical versus CGI when it comes to effects and I think Jigsaw definitely leans into the CGI because we're in that yep. the, the, when you know where this film is being made that's where we are now um what did you think of the final death um <laughs> of like Halloran of like the pretty asshole detective guy um and he was a dick i was happy to see him die um, oh yeah he sucked yeah. Oh, such a dick but um and he even had that like you know kind of like slicked back dick hair and it was just like yeah he, he, just... Did, he was it was a good performance of, a, of someone yeah. you hated yeah exactly it was believable <laughs> um but what did you think of his death like do you think it was too cgi that just took you out of it or do you think it was pulled off well the the head kind of just like like a opening like a bouquet of flowers it was like a flower yeah Yeah. um i loved it i know i know it's not gonna look very good a few years from now if it even looks good now i still was like yes this is where we go next we do lasers next we've done every sharp object we could possibly do we've done blunt objects gotta go to lasers next and it delivered so i don't know i still like it even if it looks kind of 
No, I, I genuinely I enjoyed it as well. I'm very much oh, just kind of on the I'm in the camp of just whatever, like, you know, if it's just fun and entertaining. Yes, like, I don't care yeah. if it's practical or CGI. I just want me myself to be entertained. That's all I care about. Um, Tell me a story. I'm here. I'm along for the ride. So exactly. I believed it at the end when I was like, yep, those lasers turned his head into a flower. I'm ready for it. <laughs> it was fine with me. 100%. And actually, I like speaking that scene precedes the really entertaining twist when we get the reveal of the fact that logan is the accomplice and the killer and mm-hmm. i thought when you see like haller and like realize oh shit that moment was just pulled off magnificently when you so kinda, well. like you see him look up above his head and you see and i think the film did a really important job of like showing you the fact that his lasers were burning a hole in the ceiling because you see him yeah. look up go oh shit and he's panicking panicking and then he thinks he survived because he confesses to being a terrible detective terrible person and then he looks across the room and oh there's no burn holes there and then a jigsaw being a saw film having that saw energy it's like okay now we're going to give you the montage where we explain how this yes. person's been the killer the entire time and i thought it was pulled off really well and you get to see halloran basically shit his pants in fear and it, was, <laughs> it was really yes. pulled off well i thought it was rather entertaining but i suppose coming up to the hour point now so we've gone through the I guess the full franchise itself and our next episode coming is going to be like a wrap up of I guess the legacy of Saw and we'll also do a brief discussion of Spiral if there's anything to discuss there wait to see next week but um, out of seven and eight out of the two which would you recommend more to Saw films because at the end of the day seven is for like the franchise and Jigsaw is different it's the new generation yeah the requel almost um to use that term um so yeah which would you recommend (sighs) the fans of the franchise but also just general horror fans that's tough Mm. (laughs) because on the one hand jigsaw is a better movie in every way Mm -hmm. and so if I'm trying to convince someone of the value of the saw franchise or to like give the other movies a try I would show them jigsaw yeah But if someone tells me like, oh yeah, I watched the first three or four Saw movies, but I kind of fell off it and I never got back around to it. I'd be like, please at least get through the first seven. (laughs) (laughs) But it's also, it's hard to recommend seven if you haven't seen everything else. So usually when I'm talking to people about Saw, I'm like, you really just have to commit to the whole thing. And People don't always believe me, but once they get into it, they're like, oh, yeah, that's that's true. You really do have to watch the whole thing. 100%. So I guess I would recommend Jigsaw if I had to pick one over the other. Yeah, I think it's a good way of like, if you enjoy what Jigsaw gives you, then it's kind of a good motivation to get into the full franchise because like Jigsaw, you can watch watch it on its own. You don't need to have seen the franchise because other than the fact that Kramer is there, that's the only real connective tissue. Like there's nothing Mm -hmm. else. And even him being the connective tissue, they explain it. They kind of tell you who he is. They explain that he did die. You know, so they give you everything you need to be able to just watch this on its own. And then that's, again, another reason why, like maybe I'm, hopefully it's something in the pipeline and it is being made. I don't know, but it's just, 
it felt like it was again it was rebooting it it felt like it was we're gonna start this again we're gonna get people back into it and Mm -hmm. yeah and also as well logan had hit like they changed it it wasn't game over it was i speak for the dead and i thought that was a really powerful line and i'm like i want to see i want to see more of him but also i want to see more other people who follow him delivering that line (laughs) yeah like does logan does eleanor do they work together later Mm. like if if they work together to speak for the dead in their day jobs, do they then take that on together as Jigsaw followers? Like, Eleanor's perfect to be a Jigsaw follower if she wants to be. Maybe she doesn't want to be. Um, yeah, and I know, I know we'll touch on Spiral next time, but <laughs> I was left with all these thoughts and feelings from Jigsaw of like, wow, there's so many great ways it could go. And then Spiral doesn't do any of that. <laughs> yeah, it's so, just... Yeah. I'm still hoping. I'm still hopeful. One of the truest things about the Saw franchise is that it has its ups and downs. And so I'm willing to ride out this down that we're in right now and hope that we get another great Saw movie someday. 100%. And yeah. like, I kind of think it would be interesting to see if it ends ever, if it ever goes that direction. Like it might not be able to because of how elaborate the traps are and they obviously require yeah. a hell of a budget. But because of how much the Saw franchise as a whole is all about you know the narrative and it's really about the who done it and the mystery and tying things together like in a way it would lend itself really well to like a serialized tv show format because you'd get to spend time with the characters it would make it really interesting but then you'd probably lose out on the fact that you wouldn't get these big elaborate traps because unfortunately unless people know it's going to be a successful show it doesn't really get the budget to do that those type of effects but I think that would be interesting to have where even like you've got the the saw films but then you've got like a companion thing that kind of like it's more about the characters mm-hmm. and then the films are just about the traps so there's different things it could be interesting i i don't know i'm just thinking out loud now but there's way and there more- should be a show at least last i checked there was supposed to be a show that oh, was being there. worked on a tv show um yeah so if that ever happens, I'll certainly be watching that. I do think it'll be interesting if it has enough, like, if it just happens to be the same city mm. and, or if it happens to be a copycat, like, I don't know what direction they're going to go with it. Is like, is it going to be a prequel? Is it going to be a copycat? But I'll check it out, of course, see what it does. Exactly. It'll be interesting, but. Perfect. So on that note, before we tie up this episode, our discussion of seven and eight, if you want people to find you and to follow your work, where can they do that? Yeah. Well, the two articles I referenced in this discussion today, now you could read them because we're through all the spoilers. Um, (laughs) Those are both on Ghouls Magazine, uh, but you can find all my work on Twitter at Ari underscore Hellraiser. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining me again. And to my listeners, tune in next week where we're going to finish up our deep dive of the Saw franchise. We'll have a brief discussion of Spiral and we'll just discuss the legacy of this franchise. So thank you for coming in and tuning in again and come back next week.